Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week we're talking about jobs for the beekeeper in and around the apiary for July. Beekeeping Short and Sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Welcome once again to my weekly podcast, and my thanks to those of you listening via the Patreon page. I really appreciate your support. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a support page where you can help me create more content by signing up to one of my reward tiers, and in return, you gain access to additional content and support from me. These start from as little as $1 per month, so I believe with the regular quality content I'm producing, $1 represents excellent value for money. If you've not yet started beekeeping and you're looking for help and assistance, pop over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk forward slash get started and I'll do all I can to help you out with suggestions and recommendations for you. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links for this week's podcast in the show notes. It's a really busy time of the year for me at the moment, notwithstanding all of the videos, the podcast, an occasional blog post on my website and social media output. The bees are definitely in need of constant attention right now. Talking of social media, don't forget we're on Instagram and Twitter. If you search for at Norfolk Honey Co, you should find me and it'd be great to connect on our social media feeds with you. Anyway, July in the apiary can be a very busy time. We're still queen rearing at the moment. We're using the Nico kit to produce queen cells, but I'm also grafting into the Nico cell cups, which is quite useful. I've a couple of other colonies that I want to produce some queens from, but I don't want to use the full Nico cage system. So it's quite easy to just use the cell cups and graft some of the young larvae into those before placing them into the cell builder. The next couple of weeks we'll see the last of the queen rearing for this season, allowing for three weeks to get them from young larvae to maturity, ready for mating, and then another week or two to mate and start laying eggs. It will see us well into August and the start of preparations for winter, uh, which uh, we'll then get underway. Uh, I'll talk some more about that next month. But for now, we're enjoying a lengthy period of very hot, dry weather here in the UK, something we should never complain about. Well, just a few showers overnight would make us all a little less tired, maybe. For me here in Norfolk in the UK, we haven't seen a drop of rain for weeks, and everywhere is starting to look very dry and parched. Luckily for my bees, they're all mostly placed in apiaries that are fairly close to watercourses, such as rivers and lakes, so there is a reasonable amount of active forage for them, mainly brambles, which produces a luscious blackberry-flavoured honey, but also rosebay willow herb. Those are probably the two main foraging plants that the, the bees have. But being fairly close to our main city of Norwich... A lot of my apiaries can enjoy the variety of plants grown in back gardens. And I've seen quite a number of bees visiting my own garden, enjoying the lavender, sea holly, catnip and salvias, to name just a few. 
In fact, I've seen a wide variety of pollinators visiting our back garden this year, especially bumblebees, which seem to be having a really good year. So what's happening in the apiary and what should you be looking out for? Well, to start with, a regular check for the varroa mite should almost not need mentioning, but carried out once a month over the active season in some form or other will help keep a number of other problems at bay, including deformed wing virus. Remember, if you find high levels of varroa mite at this time of year, if you do nothing, they will likely as not crash in the autumn and the colony may well not survive into the winter. The reason for this could well be the ratio of mites to available cells for them to mate in. As the population of honeybees begins to slow and fall into the autumn, the varroa mites have fewer cells in which to occupy as a percentage of the overall number of cells, and with more mites come more infections. I've not researched it thoroughly, but we'll probably come back to this topic in the winter months, but it would seem obvious to manage the varroa mite levels now, rather than waiting until the autumn. But the reason a lot of beekeepers wait is because they want to take a honey crop, and that means for most beekeepers in my neck of the woods, leaving the supers on until at least the end of July, because the vast number of treatments out there can't be used when there are honey supers on the hive. So if you are planning to use a treatment while there's a nectar flow on and you've got supers on your hive, please do check if this applies to your treatment protocol by having a good read of the instructions of that treatment carefully. Just don't guess and hope that you've guessed the right way. Of course, one way in which you can positively affect the level of varroa is by drone brood trapping. If you insert a super frame into the centre of the brood box, the bees will quickly produce brace comb at the bottom of the frame, and it's normally drone brood cells that they create. If you leave this to be laid in by the queen and wait for it to be capped, take it out, simply slice the bottom off with a sharp hive tool, and you'll have a large number of varroa mites trapped inside. Pop those drone cells into the freezer to kill the mites, and then you can simply render down the wax. It's a great non-chemical way to reduce the number of varroa through the height of the summer nectar flow, and thereby allowing you to keep those supers on. If you need to check the levels of varroa to see if you need to treat, use the calculator on the National Bee Unit's website, BeeBase, it's a really effective tool. It's not particularly complicated. You just have to take a few simple measurements from your hive and then input those into the calculator. And I'll leave a link to it in the show notes as normal. For me, this is a nervy but exciting time of year. It's my main nectar flow as I don't take my bees to the heather in the autumn. So this is it for me. The bees need to be at their best to make the most of this short window of opportunity to create an excess of honey for me to enjoy. It is my livelihood, after all. At this time of year, the rate of egg-laying by the queen will start to slow down a little. This means as more brood emerges through July, you get a lot more bees out on foraging duty than bees taking care of brood as you would perhaps in the spring, and so they're available to take advantage of that summer nectar flow. This is where your hard work of getting all your kit ready and doing your best to prevent the bees from swarming will surely pay dividends. So how can you take advantage of this summer bounty? Well, timing's critical here. 
I was once told to over super in the spring and under super in the summer. Now, this doesn't refer to the position of the supers on the hive, as you might think, but rather the number of supers that you place on the hive at any one time. So in the spring, I over super. This means putting on more supers above the queen excluder than I think I probably need. This is because we have a lot of oilseed rape around here, and when the nectar flows, the bees really pack it away, and they need a lot of room to store it and not clog up the brood box with nectar. But in the summer, we need to ensure that the supers we put on get filled to capacity and capped, otherwise we risk going into the autumn with several supers with part drawn, part filled and part capped frames, and it's really not efficient when it comes to extracting. So instead of putting on maybe two or three supers for the summer months all at one go, I put on one at a time and wait for it to be close to fully filled before the next super goes on. It's a system that works really well, but you have to check every week, otherwise the bees will get very congested and there's a chance of late season swarming. They'll also go up into the roof cavity space and pack that full of honey as well. I don't always get it right, of course. I lost a swarm last week probably because of this, but the pros outweigh the cons for me, so I'll stick with it for now. I'll go into the various methods of clearing my supers at the beginning of next month when we actually start the process of extracting the honey. So you need to make sure that you have enough kit going onto your hives now, not so much that you give the bees an impossible task to fill so many supers, particularly if they're not the strongest of colonies, or that it's late in the month and we're nearing the end of that summer nectar flow, it seems to drop off a cliff at the end of July for me here. So putting on extra supers towards the end of this month is really not appropriate. If you find yourself running out of supers, you could always remove one that's fully capped and extract it before replacing it back on the same hive to get them to refill it as soon as possible. To be honest, it's a little bit of a pain because you have to extract it and then clean up after each extraction. So it's best to leave it for one sticky, messy day in the early part of August, rather than several days during the month of July. I'm sure those non-beekeepers who share your kitchen or makeshift honey room will appreciate it. Something I've not yet had a major problem with, but seems to get talked about a lot at this time of the year, is robbing. This is where bees from other colonies descend on one poor unsuspecting colony and, having found a hole or gap somewhere, remember that little crack in the super that you said you would repair last winter but forgot? Well, the bees find those little gaps instantly it seems and as soon as you put on a clearer board and empty it of all the colony's bees, the robbers will sneak in and clean out the contents before you have a chance to get the super off and extract it. You'll lift the super off and put the clearer board on, feeling how heavy that super is, but when it comes to removing it to extract, it will suddenly feel very, very light and you'll wonder what's happened. So please do check you have no gaps, and if you do, grab some gaffer tape or something similar and just make a temporary repair to keep them out. I think some of the reasons I don't get robbing is because I feel I'm pretty good with both apiary hygiene and keeping our equipment in good condition. Also, never leave frames of old comb with stores out in the apiary for the local residents to clean out. It just encourages them to go looking for more, and if your colony isn't the strongest, they'll have little chance once the horde finds them. 
When you inspect and cut out brace comb, again, don't leave it laying around for the bees to clean out. Remember, there is a chance that disease can also spread. And if, like me, you've suffered a colony that has chronic bee paralysis virus, you really don't want that being passed around other colonies. Something I have noticed in the last couple of weeks is an increase in the number of wasps hanging around the back of my pickup when I park it up at home in the evening. They've obviously found something in the back of the truck they like, and although I try to maintain my hygiene regime to include the truck, sometimes I miss things, and it seems the wasps find them very quickly. I used to use wasp traps in all my apiaries regardless of the threat from wasps, but I noticed I was catching more than just the common wasp, and to be honest, wasps have never really been a problem for the vast majority of my colonies. If you can maintain really strong, healthy colonies, I don't think wasps have a chance against them anyway. If you do start to see wasp activity near your hives, close down the entrance to restrict access and help the bees better protect themselves. Again, make sure that you don't have any gaps between supers, crime boards, queen excluders, that kind of thing. I use small pieces of foam pushed into the side of the entrance area to simply reduce the size of the gap, even taking it down to a single bee space if needed on the smaller nukes, for instance. I've also seen a few hornets in a couple of apiaries recently, but again, they don't seem to be causing too much concern for the bees, so again, I won't be trapping any of those. Finally, if you're planning a summer holiday for July or August, remember to have your holiday request slips sent in to me in triplicate at least two weeks before you go. Having said that, beekeepers obviously don't have summer holidays, so let's just take it that I'll refuse that request anyway. But more seriously, if you are going away, please make sure that you get another friendly beekeeper that you trust to pop round to carry out a weekly inspection for you while you're away. Don't lose out on that summer crop that you've worked so hard for throughout this season. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast, and do keep the comments coming. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.